Thank you, Andy. It's good to see you all uh, this morning. I thank you for, for coming. Um, we're going to be continuing in our studies in, in the, the letter to the Romans. Have a, a Bible, please uh, turn with me uh, to uh, the, the, the book or the letter to the, to the Romans. And we'll be looking at chapter 2, verses 1 to, to 10 this morning. We will begin in uh, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do, you not, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who, by patience and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. Solemn, solemn words as we think of uh, God's judgment. If you were here last week, uh, you will maybe remember uh, how we ended chapter 1. Uh, chapter 1 ends with a list of, of sins, a list of characteristics unrighteous it says there in verse 29 they were filled uh, with all manner of unrighteousness evil covetousness malice they are full of envy murder strife deceit maliciousness they are gossips slanderers haters of god insolent haughty boastful inventors of evil disobedient to parents foolish faithful heartless ruthless what a list you know, and maybe you are here and you think of that list. And as the Apostle Paul writes in verse 32, it says there, you might agree with him, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Uh, you might agree with the, with the word of God here and say, well, these people who practice such things they deserve the judgment of God. They deserve to die. That's true. That's what God's word says. But maybe you think, well, they deserve that, but, but not me. But not me. And I think that's the, the person who Paul has in mind as he begins chapter 2. The moral person. The person who thinks they deserve, they deserve to be punished but I'm not like them. I'm much better than them. 
I was thinking of uh, the parable that the Lord told in Luke chapter 18. You don't need to turn to it, but the parable of the Pharisee and the, the publican or the, the tax collector. And, and, and you remember maybe that the, these two men, they went into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, it says here, he thanked God that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You know, the, the Pharisee was, was, was really resting in the fact that, that he wasn't like, uh, or he was better than other men. This tax collector that was there, standing afar off, couldn't even come close. He realized his, his, his sin, and he had shame, and, and he says, I'm, I'm, better than, I'm better than him. You know, we could think of the, the world's worst people. Uh, the, the, the people who have, uh, have over the, 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 the course of history, have performed the most wicked and evil deeds. And in your minds, you're maybe thinking of some. And maybe because of their position and power and authority, they were able to perform wickedness on a level that is kind of beyond really our comprehension. And we might say, we are not like them. We're not like them. But God's word tells us that God's judgment is, uh, is, go is going to be upon all. Whether we count ourselves in that group or not. Whether we count ourselves in the group that were there at the end of chapter one. Or we think we're not quite like that. We'll come on to it in later, a later week, God willing. But in, in chapter 3 and verse 19, it says there, Now we know that whatsoever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. The whole world held accountable to God. And in chapter 2, um, we, uh, Scripture here brings before us the, the, the basis or the principles on which God will judge the world. On which judgment will be, will be made upon the whole world. Lest anyone could say in that day of judgment, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Maybe you saw this past week. Um, Greta Thunberg was in, was in court and she, uh, the, the, the case was thrown out. And the judge said, um, she was, uh, there was some protest, uh, obviously, and uh, she, she had been arrested and um, she had been charged. And the judge uh, threw the case out and, and he, said, he said this, that the conditions imposed on protesters were so unclear that the arrest is unlawful. The conditions imposed on the protesters were so unclear that the arrest is unlawful. You see, it wasn't very fair it was confusing. The, 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 the guidance or the, the, the restrictions that were placed on the protesters that day uh, that they were arrested, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't clear. And the judge says, we, you know, it would be unfair to punish someone uh, if they don't understand. If they don't understand the, 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 the directions that were given, that the directions were so unclear, so poor that, that it was unfair. It was unlawful to be arrested. But when it comes to God's judgment, he wants us to understand the basis on which he judges. Such is that no one could say, I didn't understand, I didn't know, I didn't realize. 
And so we see these different principles of God's judgment, and we're going to look at three of them today. We're going to see in verses 2 and 3 that God judges according to truth. We're going to see in in verses 4 and 5 that God judges according to the accumulation of guilt. And we'll see in verses 6 to 10 that God judges according to works. The verses begin and they speak of this man. Paul is, is, is presenting this argument and he has an objector in mind. Someone who is going to, to object to his argument. Going to try to, to say that well, this doesn't quite apply to me. And so in, with this person in mind he, uh, he says therefore you have no excuse. No excuse. There was those people who we would call hypocrites. They judged people, uh, and yet in passing judgment, they condemn themselves. Why? Because, they, they, because you, the judge, practice, verse 1 says, the very same thing. We heard recently of that illustration, um, maybe a month or two ago, of, the, of, of during COVID times. And you'll remember there, there was those who would make rules. And, and they seemed to, uh, some people... Uh, who were involved in this decision-making struggled to, to keep the rules. And we might rightfully say they were hypocrites. There were some who said that, you know, we weren't to, to, to meet in certain ways with certain gatherings, and yet they did the very same thing. Or those who were involved in the decision-making of, of not being allowed to go a certain distance, but, but they did that. They broke their own rules. And it's that type of person that, that Paul is speaking about here, the hypocrite, the one who judges one person and yet does the very same thing. You know, and I think if we look in our hearts, as we look through the, 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 the unrighteousness, uh, list of un- unrighteousness uh, and that, that ungodly life in, at the end there of chapter one, we might say, well, I'm not like that. But we look through that list and maybe in a, with, with a little bit of, of honesty, We see ourselves in there, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, boastful, disobedient to parents, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And there were those who judged, there were those who said, who who, who judged people and yet they did the very same thing. They were hypocrites. And that's who Paul is speaking to here. But he says in verse 2, We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Or uh, the authorized says that God judges according to truth on those who practice, practice such things. He judges according to truth. You see, God sees the heart in his judgment. You know, sometimes... People misjudge us, don't they? They, mi- they misunderstand us. We maybe say something not quite right or we, or we say something in the wrong tone and uh, someone thinks uh, maybe something that, about us that, that we maybe didn't mean to portray. They misunderstood. But not so with God. You remember that maybe story of, of David being chosen as, as king in 1 Samuel 16 and it says there that Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Hebrews 4 speaks of the word of God and says it is, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jeremiah 11, oh, but O oh Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tests the heart and the mind. See, with God and his judgment, there is no miscarriage of justice. I wonder if you remember the man uh, from Florida last year in March. It was in the, the news. Sidney Holmes was his name. At 23 years old, he was sentenced to 400 years in prison uh, for an armed robbery. And there, in, after 34 years last year, he was released. He was released. He didn't do the crime. He shouldn't have been in jail. He shouldn't have been in prison. He didn't do it. The judge said that there was no direct evidence linking him with the crime. 34 years for a crime he didn't commit. But that doesn't happen with God's judgment. God's judgment rightly falls on those who practice such things. God's judgment is according not to lies or misconceptions, uh, but it is according to, to truth. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4 says, Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. And God is truth. And someone has said, If God's nature is to be true, then he will judge everything with truth. And God rightfully, rightly, and according to truth, judges men and women. Verses four and five, they speak of the, accum this, uh, the, the principle, the fact that, that God judges according to the, the accumulation of guilt. We see in verses four, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath. That's that idea, storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. If, if we see in God's uh, judgment, uh, in, in his, in his uh, judgment that he um, judges according to the heart, well, here in verse four, we see something of God's goodness, something of God's heart being revealed. It says there, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. To presume, to uh, despise, has the idea of looking down your nose, someone translated that as, looking down your nose on God's kindness and goodness. And yet, God is a God who has given us, he has given us life, uh, another day in this earth, on this earth, that we might not continue in our sin, not that we might just continue on uh, living in our sins, storing up wrath, we'll think about that. But he's given us another day, why? He's been patient, he's been long-suffering, he hasn't executed judgment when he rightfully could. Why that we might, that we might, it might lead us, it might lead us to Repentance. Second Peter chapter 3 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, 
That is the promises of his return. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We see something of God's heart here. Even in our sin, in our wickedness, God is a God of kindness, of forbearance, of patience, of long-suffering, and he wants us to repent. He wants us to repent. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, there's no neutral position with God. You know, we can't be a Switzerland when it comes to, when it comes to these matters. Some people, I think, they, 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 they think about these things and they ponder and they think, well, I'll just make a decision later. I'll just wait till next week, maybe, and I'll consider these things again. We don't know if the Lord will give us another week. But even still in that week, we think maybe we'll, we'll, we'll just, it won't really affect anything. Just live neutrally, waiting, and we'll, we'll make a decision later. But these verses tell us that in, 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 our, in, our, in our sin, as we live our lives, we are storing up wrath for ourselves. Storing up wrath. You see, in contrast to the, to the riches of God's kindness, yeah, when we think of riches, we think maybe of a bank, and we think of maybe gold bullions, and they're, they're there stored up, and we think of all the wealth and God in his riches, in his storehouses of kindness that he pours out on us, in contrast to that picture, storing up, stored up kindness and goodness, we see that as we live our lives, we are storing up something, but it is not something that is good, but we are storing up, we are treasuring up wrath, wrath on ourselves. And that is what it is to be uh, living a life outside of Christ. Someone has said there is in every willful sin uh, a revealing contempt of the goodness of God. There is in every willful sin a revealing or interpretive contempt of the goodness of God. You know, each each day that we live and we sin against God, we reject him. We are showing our contempt. We are looking down our noses at the goodness of God. What a God we have. And yet we, we so many people live uh, in their life and they just, they don't value God's goodness. His kindness and uh, what he has done for us. That he has hold, he is holding back his judgment upon us. That he might give us an opportunity to repent of our sin and to come to him trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Someone in relation to these verses quoted um, someone who supposedly on his deathbed said, God will pardon me. It is his trade. I wonder if you think like that. 
In the end, it will work out okay. In the end, God is a loving God. He's merciful. He will look over my sin. In, in fact, my sin isn't that bad anyway. I'm not like those folk. But this, these verses tell us that there is a judgment coming. A judgment coming that is according to truth, that it will not be mistaken. A judgment coming that is according to the guilt that we are accumulating for ourselves. A judgment coming that will be revealed against us. In the book of Hosea, we see something of God's character revealed. It says there, when Israel was a child, then I loved him. I drew them with the cords of, of a man with bands of love, and I was to them as they take off the yoke of their jaws. I laid food before them, and my people are bent back sliding from me. You know, God reached out to them, to the nation of Israel, with love, tenderness, graciousness, kindness, and mercy. And yet they, they drew away from him. That is the character of God. And yet so often we, there are those in this world who, who just don't care. Just not interested. And they maybe don't want to think about these things. They don't want to think because they realize that when they do, that they, will, they are found to be held accountable before God. So they just hope, they just hope, uh, 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 a wishful hoping that somehow it will all work itself out in the end. And then verse 6 to 10, we see here that God's judgment is according to works. He is according, is according to works. Let's make no mistake that when we stand before God's judgment, it will not be based on the sins of someone else that we will be judged. Not our parents or our friends. You know, maybe as you grew up, you um, were given in trouble for the sins of others. You know, um, you know, wrong, you know, be found guilty by association. You were with them. And maybe that was fair. Shouldn't have been there. But it won't be like that on this day, on the day when God's judgment is revealed. It will be according to your own works, according to your own works, not the, the works of or the deeds of your parents. Not even by, I don't believe, the association of, of being in, in Adam, you know, not even because of Adam's sin. We are all born sinners and that's why we sin. But it is not because we are born sinners that we will be judged. Here it tells us that we are judged according to our works, our deeds. It's what we do, what we think, what we say. Lest anyone could say in that day, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything else. It wasn't my fault. We are judged according to our works. According to his works. And these verses really speak of two classes of people. Paul uh, brings in these verses that God's judgment and God's goodness is going to be shown 
uh, to, to people without partiality, which kind of leads into the next section. But he says here that it is to the Jew first and also the Greek. Twice he says that. That judgment will come upon those who have not obeyed the truth. Verse, verse, seven, verse 8, sorry. The Jew first and also the Greek. But to those who have obeyed and have found salvation through Christ. The Jew first and also the Greek. There's no difference. There's no difference. There's no division. Whatever division you might want to think about in this world that we can divide people in. Paul here wants to uh, stress that, that there is no partiality with God. It is to the Jew and to the Greek. It is to the, the Jew, those who were in God's uh, special nation under that, in, in that covenant. And those who were outside, it doesn't matter. Judgment comes upon the whole world. We read in chapter 3. There are really just two classes. There are the unbelievers. That's verses 8 and 9. Those who are self-seeking obey not the truth. They obey unrighteousness. See there again the, 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 the idea of doing, being judged on what we do. They obey not the truth. But they obey unrighteousness. And to those who are unbelievers in verses 8 and 9. We see that they are destined for eternal wrath eternal wrath someone has summarized it like this the new testament they say describes hell as an everlasting punishment an everlasting fire a furnace of fire a lake of fire fire and brimstone an unquenchable fire and a place of suffering this will be the final resting place for everyone whose life pattern is continually evil those who obey not the truth, they obey unrighteousness. To them, there is wrath, fury, tribulation, and distress. These are serious things. As we think of those who are outside of Christ, who haven't received salvation, this is the end of their life. Christian, that it might spur us on to, to, to gospel work, to sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think of loved ones, strangers, uh, who, who we might come across on a road to an eternal death, eternal wrath. But it stands in complete contrast to those who are believers, verse 7 and 9. Sorry, 7 and 10. That those who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll think about how we know, how we can recognize them. But we see there in verse 7, that they will get, uh, to, to them he will give eternal life, not eternal wrath. But to those who believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be given eternal life. Eternal life. There are those who in patience, by patience in well-doing or in doing good, they seek for glory, honour and, immort and immortality. That is the, how, how, how the Christian is portrayed. 
That's how the Christian is portrayed. This is not teaching that those who work and do good will receive eternal life uh, because of their works, because of what they do. No, salvation, the Bible is clear, is a gift from God, but it is confirmed by works. Or someone else has said here that works are not the root of salvation, but the fruit of salvation. You see here what a Christian is marked by. They are marked by doing good and well-doing, the ESV says, in, in doing good. And they are marked by a hope for the future. Yeah, they, 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 whilst they are here on this world, on this earth, they do good. And, whilst, and, and while they wait, they hope for, they are waiting, they are hoping and looking forward to a future day. Titus chapter 2 speaks of this. Waiting, describing the Christian as those who are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the great, uh, uh, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unlawlessness and to purify it for himself, a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Not that this is what, as I want to stress, not that this is how we obtain our salvation. Our, our salvation is obtained uh, through faith in Christ alone. And it is all a gift. It is all by grace. But that a Christian is, uh, there, there, is a, there is an evidence for their faith, that the, the reality of their faith is seen. And it is marked by that which is doing good and waiting for a future hope. The believer has something wonderful in store. Something wonderful as they look forward to a day of Christ's return when he will come and reign. When he will come to take us first to be with himself. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful day then to see Christ reigning over this earth as king. What a hope the Christian has. But these verses speak of two classes of people. For whilst one has hope, one is looking forward. The other class, the other group of people, they are looking, they are looking forward. They, are, they, they can only look forward to, to wrath and to punishment. I wonder if you're in that camp today. In John chapter 3 verse 36. It says there, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Two classes of people. Two classes of people. What class are you in? There is a judgment coming. These verses are clear. There is a judgment coming when... God will judge according to truth. God will judge based on the accumulation of guilt that we have, that we have earned for ourselves. God will judge according to works. The only escape. Paul speaks about an escape in these verses. The escape. But the only escape is not that, that somehow God will just overlook these things. 
But if we want to escape the judgment of God, we need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to trust in his work of what he accomplished at the cross in paying that debt that we might go free. And if we don't, there is a judgment coming. I want to end with reading just three verses from Revelation chapter 20. It speaks of these, of this judgment. It is called the, the great white throne. And it says there in Revelation 20 verse 11. Then I saw this vision that John saw. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by that which was written in the books, according to that, to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we give you thanks that we can come before you today. We have thought about solemn thoughts of the judgment that is upon all who have rejected Christ, who have not obeyed the truth but obeyed unrighteousness. And Father, we recognize that this was us before we, 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 we uh, turned from our sin, before we repented and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for the salvation which so many of us here can enjoy. And that hope that we have uh, in the, of a future to be with our Savior. But Father, we pray, for, we pray for those who are outside of Christ. We pray that they might heed the warning. We pray that they might uh, feel and see the, the danger that they are in. And we pray in their sins they might turn to, turn to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the one who uh, came to be a ransom for many. Father, we give you thanks for the wonderful provision of salvation. We pray that it might be something each and every one of us can enjoy. So we give you thanks for this day, for your word, and for your great salvation. In your son's holy and precious name, amen.